Hey, what's up, everybody? Sean Eaton here, and welcome to the Tips from Crypt Podcast. Today, I'm going to be kicking off a year-long commitment to you that I'm calling 52 Weeks of Epic. Over the next year, I'm going to be sharing some of the most impactful lessons from the Epic Review course to help you advance your career, pass your certification exam, and continue to grow professionally. In this episode, I'm going to be pulling a lesson straight out of the section on on aircraft fundamentals, safety, and survival. And we're going to be talking about visual flight rules, instrument flight rules, and inadvertent instrument meteorological conditions, or IIMC. Before we get into that, I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, This 52 Weeks of Epic is really a celebration of the Epic Review course being done, being submitted to the Board of Critical Care, and very soon we should have our Board of Critical Care uh, recognition as an approved review course. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, and to celebrate, I want to go on this journey with you, 52 weeks of Epic, and uh, basically give you the big stuff, the real core stuff from the Epic review course. It's going to make a really big difference in your careers and in your test taking uh, success. All right. So starting off, visual flight rules. Now, visual flight rules are those uh, conditions that most HEMS programs operate under. They require uh, operation of the aircraft using visual flight cues, okay? Meaning you have to have adequate horizontal visibility as well as you have to um, have reference to the ground. And reference to the ground is the big one. Now, in the program I fly at and in most programs, the uh, minimums that qualify for VFR conditions change based on whether or not you're flying it during the day or whether or not you're flying at night. Now, where I fly, our weather minimums for the day are the ceilings have to be greater than a 1,000 feet, and we have to have a minimum of three nautical miles horizontal visibility. If we don't have those conditions, we can't fly because we are not an IFR program. Now, night operations, that changes a little bit. We have to have 1,500-foot ceiling and five nautical miles horizontal visibility, and that's because our visual acuity changes during the night. All right, the next part is your IFR, your instrument flight rules. Now, this is flight operations under any conditions that requires the pilot to be using the instruments as opposed to visual cues. The difference between... Uh, IFR and VFR from a pilot's perspective and from a flight planning perspective is if you are operating under IFR conditions, you have to file an IFR flight plan with air traffic control. And then once you uh, depart, you are under their guidance. And there are a lot of programs out there that operate that way. Most fixed wing programs will also operate or have the ability to operate under instrument flight rules. Now, a note about that. Even if your program is not an IFR-rated program, most pilots are still going to be IFR-rated. As a matter of fact, uh, CAMES requires that pilots be IFR-rated, and they require that on a reoccurring basis, at least every six months, the pilots are getting recertified, and they are also performing uh, IFR recovery procedures. We're going to talk about that next when we talk about IMC, or Inadvertent Instrument Meteorological Conditions. Now, just because the pilot is IFR rated, that doesn't mean the aircraft is. And not all aircrafts are rated uh, to be IFR aircrafts. They have to have certain um, 
autopilots in, install. They have to have certain lighting filters installed to make IFR flight safer. Okay. The thing to, to note about this, and especially in the HEMS world, is that even if you are operating under IFR conditions, you still have to have a visual of the ground in order to land. So you can't have a zero-zero visibility and still be able to operate under IFR conditions. That's why our pilots, if they're doing uh, instrument approaches into airports, they're practicing these, and you'll You'll t- if you talk to them about that, they'll tell you uh, this particular um, instrument approach will bring me down to 200 feet uh, above the runway. Or uh, depending on the airport that you're going to be flying into, if it has an IFR approach or an instrument approach, the uh, quality of that approach um, varies depending on the airport. Pilots will know which airports they're operating around that have the best instrument approach. So they have the best chance of making it to the ground within visual sight of the ground if, in fact, they do have to do a uh, instrument approach under real uh, IFR conditions. Okay, last uh, in the topic is double IMC or inadvertent instrument meteorological conditions. And the key here is that these are unplanned events. This is something where you took off under VFR conditions and then suddenly, unexpectedly, inadvertently, there was a change in the weather and now the pilot has uh, flown into a cloud or the ceilings have come down rapidly and... Uh, the pilot no longer has visual cues and they are now operating under IFR conditions. Now, this is considered an emergency, but it's not considered, it's not a reason to panic. Remember, I said most of our pilots are trained to operate uh, under IFR conditions. It's just that this has been an unplanned event. So there is a saying that we've used at some of the programs that I've operated in before, which is aviate, navigate, and communicate. And this is a very good kind of thing to keep in the back of your mind. The most important thing is for that pilot to be flying the aircraft, okay? The first thing a pilot needs to do once they enter these inadvertent IMC conditions is to recognize that they have gone inadvertent IMC and then to bring their vision inside the aircraft and start flying by their gauges. They need to trust their gauges, okay? And they're going to start following some simple procedures. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to slow the aircraft to its optimum speed, which is usually somewhere around 70 to 80 knots. Next, they're going to turn away from all known obstacles. So whether that be mountains, towers, whatever, they're going to turn away from all known obstacles and they're going to climb to an altitude so that they are above all known obstacles. That's why pilots during their pre-flight planning generally will have to report the highest obstacle along their intended flight path. That way, if they have a situation where they go on IMC, they've already predetermined, okay, this is the minimum altitude where I'm going to run into something. Uh, I need to climb above that. Okay? So aviate. Next thing, navigate. They're going to declare an emergency, try to contact air traffic control, and request vectors either to clear air or to an airport that has instrument approach capabilities. Once that's done, then the next step is to communicate. They may ask you as the crew members to call your comm center, let them know what's happened, declare an emergency, terminate the, the, the flight, 
as a crew member, your responsibility is one, to remain calm and to recognize the situation. Make sure that the pilot is following those initial steps, which is to climb and turn away from all known obstacles. And then make sure that the pilot is flying the aircraft, that their eyes are inside, focused on the gauges and to trust the gauges. And then you may also ask them, is your SAS engaged, the stability augmentation system? And is the autopilot engaged? You're basically serving as a check and balance to the pilot. In the course, I mentioned climb, climb, climb. You will hear uh, some pilots say that, you know, if I just pop into an uh, inadvertent IMC uh, situation, I know where the cloud deck is. I can just descend out of the cloud deck. And that's going to be something for you to have an individual discussion with your pilots under what circumstance they think that that might be suitable. Here's my thought, though. When you fly inadvertent IMC, you're making an assumption that you know where you are. Yes. Pilots have an intended flight path. They've probably flown it multiple times before, but, it, but it's still an assumption. And I can make reference to uh, an aircraft crash that killed an entire crew. They were flying through a, an area that they knew. They flew it all the time. They went IMC. They turned, and they flew into a bluff that, uh, that they didn't expect was there. They thought they knew where they were, but in this case, they were wrong. And so I always say, climb, climb, climb. If you go IMC, climb, 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 get above all known obstacles, then turn away, declare your emergency, the mission is over until you get to clean air, then you have an opportunity to get back to base, you can debrief, you can reset, make sure that everybody is still in the appropriate mindset to then take the next mission, okay? But as far as I'm concerned, and I think that it is good practice, when you have a situation where you have an inadvertent IMC condition, the mission is over, you enter into this IMC recovery phase where you need to make sure that you can get back to the ground safely. So climb, 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 get above all known obstacles, turn away from all obstacles, declare an emergency, the mission's over, get vectors back to clean air or to a uh, instrument approach, get the aircraft on the ground safely, let everybody take a deep breath, reset, debrief the situation, and then make a determination about whether or not you're safe to take another mission. All right, that's all I have for this episode of the podcast. I'd love to hear what kind of comments you have. Uh, I know that there's a lot more that we can talk about with regards to visual flight rules and instrument flight rules and inadvertent IMC. We could get deep into the FARs and the CAME standards, but make sure you go and you look at the CAMES standards for 2019, the 11th edition, which will be published the day this podcast goes live. Uh, I hope you found this helpful. Leave your comments below, um, and I hope you subscribe to the show. Uh, remember, this is going to be 52 weeks of Epic, where I'm going to be going over a new lesson from the review course every week for the entire year. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about CAME standards, and we're going to be reviewing um, the updates from the 10th edition, what's new in the 11th edition, how this could potentially affect you and your program and the way you um, the way you operate as a crew member. This is also one of those topics that they like to cover on the critical care transport paramedic certification exam, more so than the flight paramedic certification exam, although things like this do pop up from time to time on the FPC. 
I sure hope you enjoyed this. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Share this out. Leave your comments over in the show notes over at flightcrit.com. And if you have a question that you want featured on the podcast in a future episode, you can send those to me over at askflightcrit.com. You can send me a little audio audio link with your question, and I'll feature that in a future episode. Thanks so much, everybody. Fly safe, live well, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Tips from Crit Podcast. Bye for now.